that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Thursday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug LaMaurice in my hotel room in Indianapolis. We're getting this to you a little bit late on Thursday. I think we're going to keep it tight. A couple things I want to talk about. The main thing is, do you have to be a badass to be a successful coach at Ohio State? And I'm sorry I said the A word off the top, but I think we had to say it so you know what it is. And now we'll say, do you have to be a BA? Now we'll say it. So if parents, if you want to go back in time and put your hands over the kids' ears, but I guess I, I should have warned you before. But anyway, I won't say it again. Do you have to be a BA? to be a successful head coach at Ohio State. And that is the main thing I want to talk about. I have our texters here, and I think it's a big-picture Ohio State athletics discussion. Won't go forever. Then we'll talk a tiny bit about the Combine. This Thursday morning, Ronnie Hickman and Cam Brown are speaking for Ohio State. On Wednesday morning, Zach Harrison spoke. I have a story at Cleveland.com about Zach Harrison. Nathan right now is over at the Combine speaking with Cam Brown and Ronnie Hickman, texting that out to our tech subscribers at 614-350-3315. Friday morning, Nathan and I together will talk about the first three guys that we talked to from Ohio State at the Combine. We'll talk about some of the testing numbers that are going to be posted on Thursday and what it means for different Buckeyes. And then Friday morning, the quarterbacks and the receivers speak. So we will talk to C.J. Stroud. We will talk to Jackson Smith and Jigba, and that will be a big deal on both of those counts. That will be the Saturday pod. All about C.J. Stroud. All about Jackson Smith and Jigba, what they said, what their pro prospects are. I talked to a lot of NFL GMs and coaches, not me, but at the podium. Part of those discussions about what they look for in a quarterback. I'm getting a view of how I think this might work out for C.J., in the NFL, we'll see what Jackson says. So that's coming Saturday. It's a special um, bonus episode, right? So Friday podcast, Hickman Brown Harrison at the Combine. Saturday podcast, Jackson Smith and Jigba CJ Stroud at the Combine. Monday podcast, Paris Johnson, Luke Whipler, Dewan Jones at the Combine. But let's talk about being a BA. I'm going to talk about the basketball team at the end of this podcast. If you want to hear my basketball thoughts, Ohio State just won its last two. One on senior night, Wednesday night. Two good wins for that team. I'll give you my basketball thoughts at the end, but a lot of you don't want basketball thoughts here, so we're saving it for the final section for people who do, and I will talk a little bit about Jalen Carter and Georgia and what's happening there before that. But I want to talk about being a BA, and this is what is clarified for me a little bit. A lot of it's Nadine Muzzerall, but not only her. But in these interviews over the past... 10 days that I've done with Nadine Mazzarol, the women's hockey coach, has a national championship ring. Tom Ryan, the wrestling coach, has a national championship ring. Ty Tucker, the men's tennis coach, also oversees the women's program, has been a national championship contender for 20 years. Kevin McGuff, the women's basketball coach, multiple Sweet 16s, multiple Big Ten titles in his time here. Do you have to have an edge to win? It's clarified for me a little bit that I think you do. And this started for me in a season that has gone terribly for Ohio State basketball, trying to find programs that are winning, and is there anything that they're doing that can be applied to Ohio State men's basketball? Both that, I don't know, not that they're going to take my advice, but that they should be doing, they could learn from the success around them, or mostly for us, for you, for me, how should we view this? And two things I came down with. If you've listened, I would just recommend doing it. I would... The Ryan and Tucker podcast just went up this week. Muzzerall and McGuff went up last week. These coaches know the deal. The resources are high at Ohio State. The standards are high. The expectations are high. 
And I lost track a little bit of what these four coaches said, but somebody in there said, you know what? We're here to compete for titles. And if you're not doing that, you're not going to have your job. Doesn't mean you have to win it every year, but you've got to compete for it. You've got to be in the mix. And the Ohio State basketball program under Chris Holtman has not made a Sweet 16 and has not won a Big Ton basketball title. And I thought this was particularly harmful to the program this year in a season where I guess Purdue's pretty good, but the rest of the Big Ten basketball program is a mishmash. Ohio State was not part of that. And so for Ohio State to be on the outside looking and locked in as a 13 seed for the Big Ten basketball tournament, it just felt like something was missing. So, of course, I wrote last week that, hey, this program feels lost and they won their next two. But it's the idea of the expectation that I, I just we shouldn't we shouldn't let the basketball program off the hook. Nobody believes that. Nobody believes, nobody inside believes that this is acceptable, that for anybody, they know the deal. So again, that doesn't mean you're out the door right now, but this is just unacceptable on every level at Ohio State. The coaches know that coming in. Okay, so we didn't have to establish, these people are not saying, well, you know, you try your best. They're expected to compete for championships. So I thought that was important. Then how do you do it? I just think when you hear Nadine Mazerol, she has a vision and she has a fierce determination to execute it. And she's the one you see, the one that said, you've got to be a little bit of a BA. Tom Ryan has a vision, has a fierce dedication to execute it. Ty Tucker is out there hitting tennis balls with his guys on Christmas Day. Vision, fierce dedication to execute it. And so that's what you look for. And then I wonder, is that what they have in all the programs? So I do think... To me, you have to have, this is Ohio State, and this to me was a difference of even a place like Notre Dame, because over the years, we have seen people leave Notre Dame to come to Ohio State. Tony Alford was at Notre Dame, came to Ohio State. That's not a lateral move. That's a step up. For as good as Notre Dame is in everything, that's a step up. Tony Alford, you know, has some Ohio connections, but he came here for that reason. Ed Warner was at Notre Dame came to Ohio State. Tim Hinton was at Notre Dame, came to Ohio State. Those are all football assistant coaches who who made that move. Al Washington left Ohio State and went to Notre Dame, but it wasn't because Al Washington was so good at Ohio State. It's kind of because it didn't exactly work out at the highest level at Ohio State. Then you go to Notre Dame. I just, and I'm not, this is, I'm just using Notre Dame as a Midwest example of, I think in a place like Notre Dame, as good as Notre Dame is at sports, I think it's a little bit more of you can try your best, and if you don't get there, you did it the right way and you tried your best. Ohio State wants to do it the right way, wants to try its best, but also has a standard. And so I think you have to have an edge to execute that. This clarified it a little bit for me. It doesn't mean you can't be a nice person. It doesn't mean you can't be a nice person. But I think, and I don't know if it's just me, I never thought this way before, I think You must be a little bit of a BA and maybe a lot of a BA to win here. And that is where I just have a couple questions about Chris Holtman. And it's not a basketball discussion. It's struggling major Ohio State program at the moment discussion. So I asked the texters about this. I didn't do a survey because I think it's hard to survey being a BA. But I said, do you think you have to be one? 
I think it depends on what the definition of BA is. Do coaches here win because they are a BA or do we call them a BA because they win? Trestle and Urban both won, but I will qualify Urban as a BA, but not Trestle. That's from the 813. So we may as well have this Trestle conversation right now. We'll get to some other text or conversations about this. I think it's possible. I think I'm also annoying you by saying BA, BA, BA. I'm just going to say bad, but you know I mean bad A. BA is annoying me. The speech. The Trestle speech at the basketball game after he was hired. You'll be proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, pause, and most especially in 310 days, pause, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, pause, on the football field. I think that might be the most bad A thing that a coach at Ohio State has done in the past 25 years. So when you say, I don't think of Trestle as a bad A, I will ask you, can you think of Chris Holtman doing that? I will ask you, can you think of every new head coach hired at Ohio State doing that? So he did it in a jacket and tie, but he did that. And that's why I push back on the idea that Trestle is not a bad A. And that's why I do push back a little bit on the idea of we call them bad A's after they win. Because I do think most of the ones we're thinking about had it. I think Thad Mata, I don't know that he would exactly have said that in that circumstance. But if you remember when Evan Turner hit the shot in the Big Ten tournament, to beat Michigan, and Thad Mott is walking down the court, pointing and yelling at the refs like he's ready to go nuts on somebody, right? Ryan Day, I don't know if you would have exactly expected him to say, to give the Trestle speech on day one, but when he was angry in the Rutgers game this year, and was pointing across the field and pointing at Greg Schiano and angry in that moment. Urban, I don't think anybody has, I don't think we dispute that. Earl Bruce, man, was Earl Bruce kind of a bad A? Man, putting on the hat for the last game, like Earl, ah, Earl. I mean, Earl, I think I don't know that we question that Earl was that at all. Was Coop? I don't know. And I don't, I, it's not really fair to do it backwards because then I think we do fall into the trap of if you win, you are a bad A. And if you don't win, you're not. And that's not the intention. I think there is a personality trait. I think there is a willingness to alienate people. I think there is an edge that says, we're Ohio State. Ty Tucker's saying, there's no doubt Ohio State's one of the top three athletic programs in the country. You heard him. He got a little bit of an edge in his voice in that podcast. When any implication by me that Ohio State tennis is not great, any edge immediately. And I just don't know if I sense that right now with the men's basketball team. And my question is, I think you mu- I think it's almost a must. And you maybe can be too nice. It's Ohio State. And it's just different. I think in a lot of other... I, I, and I'm saying this because I don't think this necessarily applies across the board. And actually, this is another thing I want to talk about. But let me get to some textures first because you don't only want to hear me. Also, I was telling people I was driving the combine and people were giving me weather advice and drive safely. And like, that's, it's one of those moments for the texters. I say, hey, I'm getting ready to drive to Indy. Let me ask you a question about being a bad A coach. And people respond and they also respond and say, there's bad weather on the drive. Be careful out there, which is the kind of text that you would send your friend 
when they were, would say, hey, I'm getting ready to travel. And if you were aware of bad weather on the route, you would warn your friend. And I had texters do that to me. And it's like, it like enforces the connection here. 614-350-3315 for a two-week free trial. Like you're sending me a, hey, be, be safe on the roads text like you would your friend because you guys are the best. So thank you for doing that. From the 614, I think being an excellent leader in any field requires some amount of bad A. If you are only nice, you are Ned Flanders. You need an edge and the willingness to have things bend to your will. Even the best priests aren't warm and cuddly. That's an interesting text. From the 724, yes, we have the largest athletic department budget in the country, and it's not just there for participation credit. Like Urban says, if you're going to rank me in something, I'm looking to be first. Does it matter what? It's Kevin from Pittsburgh. I agree with that. Any coach worth his or her salt who wants to win has to be a bad A, no matter the level. Pee wee football, Little League baseball, girls high school volleyball, men's wrestling at Ohio State. Non-BAs need not apply. BAs foster competitiveness and teamwork. You think Nadine Muzzerall has anything but BA coaches her whole life? Eric and Finley. She's, she's born and bred that way, right? She's just got it in her. I, I agree with that. Um, this is someone saying, particularly the revenue sports need this. How much do we take in from lacrosse or pistol matches, right? Like so, But I think it's one of those things where um, the Ohio State, that's why I wanted to do this thing where it's across the board. That if Ohio State's going to have a sport, it wants to be good at it. I'm going to go with an emphatic no. I'll preface this by saying that I will always love Jim Tressel because he was the first coach I really remember at Ohio State, and he won the Natty when I was 11. But he was the exact opposite of a bad A. I mean, his signature style was a darn sweater vest, for God's sakes. That's from the 419. That's just, I think this is the clearest example where, where people will maybe make a make a point about Ohio State because it's it's familiar to us and relevant to us. And you you look at the guy and the way he talked. But I think it was a sweater vest veneer with some BA in there. And I think on the very first day in that speech, he let it out. Think about the coaches. Think about any coach you have a question about and see if you can envision them given the Trussell speech. By the way, this other text are saying Trussell's nickname was the senator. There's never been a less BA nickname. But I don't know. There are some senators out there who will come get you, right? Ohio State does have a badass requirement. Like you said, big-time program, big-time competition. Doesn't have to be on the surface. Ryan Day is a nice guy that will drop you off a cliff. LeBron, that's a good reference. Wholesome family man will go savage, but there has to be a killer inside. That's a good Ohio example. LeBron is like that. Hey, Doug, check your wipers as a downpour around Springfield. It's a gully washer. You guys are the best. I think this is from the 614. I think you need to be a bit of a BA to achieve success in sports at the highest level, whether you're a coach or a player. I don't think you have to wear it on your sleeve like we think of it, but it has to be there, and everyone in the locker room with you needs to be able to see it and know it's there. Sometimes when we talk about players, we talk about killer instinct, but I think it's the same thing. You talked about it a bit with JT Barrett last week, his quiet confidence. That guy was a BA, and everyone in the locker room knew it, but maybe the casual observer didn't. Jim Tressel had some of the same. You hoped Holtman could be Tressel-like, buttoned up and put together, smart, calm, etc. on the outside, but still have that hidden edge that drives greatness. From the 716, Ohio State most certainly does have a BA requirement. Here's a two-part answer. Ohio State football has SEC internal resources and expectations without SEC talent or NIL. Urban was a BA telling the Big Ten to suck it in recruiting and had that team ready to go in 14. Urban was a ruthless guy, but... Um, but in one, except in one area, his personal loyalty. He was ruthless everywhere else. It cost him on the field in 15 when he tried to feed too many guys he owed and off the field when he kept his mentor's grandkid around. That's Zach Smith. Ryan Day has it some. He needs to direct that put your foot on Clemson's throat in 2020 to Michigan and defensive recruiting. 
Part two, Ohio State needs a BAAD. I wish Gene Smith was more ruthless. He extended Holtman, who didn't deserve it, is timid on paying players in the future and reluctant in getting involved in NIL collectives. Wish he, say the, wish he would say the heck with it and fire Holtman, bang the drum for paying players, and jump in with NIL rather than worry about lacrosse and hockey buildings. He needs to let Ohio State be the BA football and basketball program it should be. So you also did hear from these other coaches how much Gene Smith sort of sets the standards and give them gives them the resources in these other sports. So the hard thing can be, we talk to other sport coaches to get a sense of this, but there could be an opinion of why does Ohio State care that much if you're really a BA, go all in on football, that's it, that's all that matters. Don't spend money, time, or energy on these other sports. That's just not the way Ohio State's going to operate right now, but they don't do the other sports just for fun, which emphasizes the sports that really matter are here to win. Everything's here to win. So I do think, you know, there's a there's a long and nuanced Gene Smith discussion around this. I th- you will find a lot of the non-revenue sports that feel like he supports them, he cares about them, he gives resources to them, and he wants to win. Does that mean he does keep Ohio State from going 100% full throttle in football? I think you can make that argument. I think he would very much push back against that argument. I think you can make that. And I do think that... He still wants to win, and he and they give a lot, but maybe it's not all the way at a place like Bama, right? And I think we're just trapped in a weird vortex with basketball right now because there is no reason that women's hockey and wrestling and women's basketball and men's tennis and these sports should feel the urgency to win and then have this idea that somehow what Ohio State basketball has been doesn't have urgency to it. I think it, it absolutely has urgency to it. So I, I do find... This is mostly a discussion because I just find the current aura around the basketball program hard to fathom. From the 614, BA coaches, yes, Ohio State has a BA requirement. Additionally, and similar to Ryan Day's approach to quarterbacks, I think a top-tier coach needs an elite trait, and Ohio State should demand top-tier coaches. That's Evan in Oregon. So I do think that's a really good way to think about it, Evan, because I'm at the NFL Combine, as I said it a million times, and you, you talk about traits here a lot. And, and Ryan Day really clarified that with quarterbacks right away when he got here. Find an elite trait. It can be your brain. It can be your arm. It can be your legs. It can be your toughness, right? It can be your absolute speed or physical size. It can be a lot of things. But what is your coach's elite trait? I am the most personable guy in the world who gets in a room with moms and dads and aunts and uncles and grandparents and family and friends. And I am the most... I'm the friendliest recruiting BA on the planet, and I get guys because I relate to people so well. That's something. I am an X and O's genius. I'll beat you. I'll beat you with my guys. I'll beat you with your guys. But I'm gonna X and O you on the basketball court into oblivion. That's something. I am a motivational guru. I get these guys fired up to maximum capacity for the biggest games, and I manage the ebbs and flows of a season, I get the most out of whatever our team is, no matter what. That's a thing, right? I mean, what I think I, I think we can agree on that, right? I think if you said, what's Ryan Day's elite trait? I don't think anybody would hesitate on that. I think Trestle's elite trait was a lot of that, you build loyalty by treating people a certain way, and that loyalty pays off, right? Urban. Life on the edge, man. He 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 brings the best out of you by putting you on edge. Ryan Day, I think it's offensive philosophy. And I think he's built a good culture in a lot of ways. But I think it's offensive philosophy. I just, so so when we think about basketball right now, what do we think about? Hi, Doug. It's Chris and Indy from the 317. Yes, even the debate team coach should be a BA at Ohio State. 
Also loved your interview with Coach Nadine. I was reluctant to bother with a pot about women's hockey, but oh my gosh, was she awesome. NBA. P.S. Stop by my house while you're in India to use a clean bathroom, have a cold beer, and talk Buckeye stuff. Oh! Chris, I'm coming over. From the 9414, this is a little harsh. Can't be wimpy like Holtman or John Cooper. Tressel and Day seem to have or had the right edge. Urban had the edge, but too slick in my opinion. I mean, can you have too much of an edge, right? That's alienating. And I'm not saying Urban did, but I mean, that's the, the best kind of people I think have like the warm heart with the killer instinct. But that's hard to do. That's hard to do. BA coaches at the Ohio State is not necessary, but very helpful from the 423. But if you aren't a BA, you better have some extra BA assistance. Tom Ryan is a BA. Bad A. What did I say we're going to call it? But his assistant, Logan Steber, is a different level. BA. Four-time NCAA champ and former world champ. If Chris Holtman had assistance like that, maybe his team would look better. It helps if your players know you did walk the walk. That's interesting. From the 513, Doug, name a head coach who has won an NCAA championship without demanding a lot from players. It's probably zero across all sports. I'm sure the Ohio State synchronized swimming coaches are pushing as hard as anyone. The term BA could mean a lot of different things to people. That's a great little teaser line for the pod or an article. There's something there. But undefined is just clickbait for me. There are many ways to push an organization or team to be its best. You have to set that bar for this podcast. Oh, you have set that bar for this podcast over the years. So focus your discussion on defining what's required rather than just grabbing onto the term bad A. Finally, different sports and levels require a different type of bad A. Not sure Andy Reid is the bad A, bad A implied in your note. But in my opinion, he's a bad A in terms of offensive schemes and player commitment. Urban's didn't work in the NFL. Reed's probably wouldn't work in college. Day seems like he's in the middle, which might be just where the college coach needs to be today. Maybe Holtman's bad A is better for Butler from the 513. So this is like a 25-minute podcast discussion. And I do think the idea of elite traits is what this texture from the 513 is getting at, which is what someone else got to. That you've got to be the you've got to be elite at something. And then you could say, well, you're a bad A in that category. I do think when it comes to motivating people, you do have to have an edge, though. I, I do think in this day and day, you have to have an edge because I do think it's harder in this world. I think loyalty matters less. I think it does because I think you can you can extend it and not necessarily get it back. And so I think you want to you end up motivating people to stay and dedicate themselves to your program because they believe it's in their own best interests. But to build in the transfer portal world and the NIL world, it's just becoming more of a business. The NFL is a business. It doesn't matter how much loyalty you build in the NFL a lot of the time. Because a guy is going to go for the best money and the best chance to win. And that's kind of that. I think college is heading toward that, for better or for worse, especially at this level. So then what motivates you pushing people to be their best so they have the best chance to win? That's what motivates. To build that up and to be loyal and reward people and tell them they tried their best, I don't know if that's the modern way of doing it. I think maybe the bad A requirement has grown even more stark. Because of the way the sport is, it's more of a business. So let's get down to it. We're going to push you hard because we're all here for one reason. We're not here to mess around. We're here to win, and I'm going to push you to do that. I think that be, might be where we are. Listen, we push as hard as we can to be great on this podcast. The idea of let's look for elite traits in coaches is 
a worthwhile endeavor if we can get to it. That's not what this is. I know where the texture's coming from, but sometimes you want to brush on something quickly, which is what I wanted to do here with the bad A word, and then maybe we can dig in a little bit more later. But I think we've dug in with the four interviews we've done with these other coaches. So 513, appreciate your text. From the 419, Doug, I think at Ohio State, you do need a bit of a BA and ruthlessness to be a coach in any sport. Holtman seems a little too nice for an Ohio State level of program and expectations. That works, I think, at a Butler level because that is the cultural vibe I get, as well as lower mid-majors that don't have a burden of expectations and strong tournament performance history where he was before. I think there has been some criticism of Ryan Day in that regard with the take the foot off the, gra- off the gas idea and not burying opponents or at least breaking their back when there's a chance to put the game away early. That's Corbin in Indianapolis. From the 4-4, what do you mean by bad A? Top of your profession bad A or a coach who puts results ahead of the feelings and or well-being of his players and staff? That's from the 4-4-0. And this 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 will lead us to this, which is going to be a little bit of a dug tangent here. I just started watching Ted Lasso and Ted Lasso can cram it. So I have not watched the second season yet. I know the third season is coming up, but I watched the first season finally. I know it came out during the pandemic in 2020. And it's one of these things where... My wife encouraged me to watch it. I told some other people I was watching it, and those people were like, oh, you're probably going to hate it um, because I am me. And the idea of watching a coach torpedo a franchise and that team being terrible and him only caring about the feelings of his players while the fans suffer is not amusing entertainment to me. I did not find that. This was, it's, Ted Lasso is a background noise. Ted Lasso is a background coach. I guess you have to have coaches for teams like that, but I don't want to, I don't want Ted Lasso coaching my team because at some point you are not only beholden to the, the feelings of your players. If you want to only be beholden to the feelings of your players, be a minister right? Be a teacher. Be something where the primary goal is the health and welfare of the people you are serving. There are many things where that is the primary goal. What's the number one thing you could do? I got to take care of my people. That is not the number one goal of a coach. It's part of it. It really matters. But guess what you're there to do? You're there to win for everybody. You're there to win for your players. You're there to win for your staff. You're there to win for the fans. So every time Ted Lasso shows a bunch of people in the poop, they're in the poop and they're yelling at the screen, Ted Lasso, yo wanker. Hey, Ted Lasso, what's with that guy? He sure cares about, no, I sound like a pirate. He cares about people's feelings. I don't want to watch a show about a coach who cares about people's feelings. So I don't know what happens in season two. It's a nice background noise, okay? Ted Lasso is a background coach. So I'm reacting to like, I mean, Ted Lasso. Oh, Ted Lasso. You got to watch Ted Lasso. Why? So no Ted Lasso's at Ohio State. You can be a TL or you can be a BA. You maybe could be a TL at a mid-major. You could maybe be a TL at the bottom of the Big Ten. I don't think there's room for TLs at OSU. This is a BA place, baby. Oh, Ted Lasso. Cram it. Please cram it. And I know the end of season one, something happened and it sets up season two, season two and this whole thing. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get story structure, that kind of thing. But like the people were like, oh, Ted Lasso changed my life. I kept waiting for it to change my life. It didn't change my life. It just made me mad. Being demanding and holding players to high standards is essential from the 617. You don't need to be an a-hole to do it, but a culture of accountability is critical. And I do think bad A doesn't mean a-hole. 
I, I don't, that doesn't mean the same thing to me, but I don't think you can hug your way through it either. You got to be able to push somebody. Doug, I think the entire thing is a bull crap argument that people just retrofit based on your win-loss record. You can succeed being a polite and senatorial coach. I was at Ohio State from 03 to 08, and not once did anybody use the word BA to describe Coach Sweater Vest, but he won big and people love this calm demeanor. If your coach is a loudmouth who loses, it's a we need a guy who's looser with the team. Everybody is playing too tight. If your coach is nice but loses, it's the team isn't tough. We need a strong-willed leader. But if you win, then those exact same traits are spun as a positive. The loudmouth is the toughest is the toughness this team needs, while the nice guy is a player's coach. That's Joseph in Atlanta. That's very smart, Joseph. I mean, we all that's how it works, right? You you bring in a guy who's an opposite of the previous guy, but within that, I think you can be lacking something. So I, I know exactly what you're saying. And I do agree with the idea that people did not walk around during the Trestle era saying this guy's a BA. That is not the first way you describe that guy. Go watch the speech again. You guys have all listened to it. You've all heard it. The pauses, the way he feeds the crowd, the expectations he places on his program from the jump. Did not run from it. The number one thing wrong with Ohio State football. The number one thing wrong. Did not run. Embraced it full-throated. Full throttle. On day one. And then lived up to it. Bad A, man. From the jump. Bad A. To succeed at Ohio State, a coach has to have a bad A mentality. Ohio State is a priority target for everyone it competes with on multiple levels. To withstand that constant attack and pressure, a coach needs to be tough, motivated, resilient, and always on the lookout to kick some fanny. The dictionary has a picture of Woody and Urban as examples of B.A. You could hear B.A. in Muzzerall's voice. I think you have hit on something from the 419. Yes, you have to have an edge at that level. The edge can be shown in different ways. You can be Jay Wright Smooth or Jim Trestle Stoic or Brian Kelly Volcanic or Urban Meyer Assassin. But you have to have an edge and motivation to compete that is different than most of us from the 513. That's excellent. So the, the one before it was excellent. I love these. I think that requirement is absolutely there from the 502. What it takes to be a head coach at Ohio State is the same thing it takes to be the starting quarterback of the football team. An exceptional trait. Bad A can mean a lot of things, but Ohio State competes for championships across many of its sports. If it's not too much to ask from wrestling, volleyball, swimming and diving, and of course football, then of course it's not too much to ask from the basketball program as well. That's Anthony. That's great. Yep, got to be a BA from the 419. Doug, I asked the question, does a head coach at Ohio State have to be a BA to succeed to a family member who was a four-year Ohio State athlete and currently coaches in Texas? Was This was her response. Oh my gosh, yes. As a head coach working under a successful brand like Ohio State, you are guarding fresh meat. You have to look at every possible entity that is trying to take what you have. It is kill or be killed for sure. I often envision being a head coach as being a mama bear or wolf. Protect mine and hunt down yours. Do you have chills? Oh, 614. Oh, family member who was a four-year Ohio State athlete and currently coaches in Texas. 614, fresh meat, protect mine and hunt down yours. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about, Ted Lasso. Hey, uh, hey, you want to, hey, you guys want to protect mine and hunt down yours? I'm Ted Lasso. Shut up, Ted. Oh, it was an odd combination. (laughs) I started doing these, I started doing these interviews with this in mind. This was my end game. Nadine Muzzerall clarified it with her comment at the end of her interview. 
And then I started watching Ted Lasso and it was like the universe was speaking to me that these two things were combining in my life. I know I'm three years behind on Ted Lasso. And as it turns out, I'm fine with that. But the universe was speaking to me here. And as much as this has been a daily thought process and conversation for me in my head, in my thoughts, in my words, same for you if you care about Ohio State. This is what you think about every day. How do you win? How do you win? How do you go about it? That was Scott in Charleston, South Carolina, by the way, who sent that last one from the family member. How do you go about it? How do you win? Is that in place? And then trying to be accountable, figuring out what the standards are, and then holding teams accountable to the standards that the university and the the athletic department itself sets. We are not setting the standards. They are. And then we can check, are you living up to them? And if not, what is being done about it? That's why we're here. So I was almost surprised how much the bad A comment clarified things for me. And, and I understand the person saying it's clickbait, it's shorthand. It is shorthand. It's not intended to be clickbait. It is shorthand. Maybe to begin a larger discussion, but it is not the way I had put it into words previously, previous to Muzzerol. It's not the way I would have said it, but now it is. So it's, I don't know that my thought my thoughts have changed. It didn't shift my thinking, but it clarified it. And that's really valuable. I think the trait that seems necessary for success at the highest level of sports is a laser focus on winning. A focus that might include some hard actions, but is always centered on winning. Day and other successful coaches you have interviewed seem to possess this focus. Urban Meyer might be the model of this mindset. I don't think Holtman has this in him from the 804. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, You have to have a fire to want to win. It can't be all consuming in modern sports, a la Bobby Knight. But there has to be a part of you that loves to win and maybe more importantly hates to lose. That's Brian in Albany. I also think that is a worthwhile way to think about it, that you can go too far. You can go too far. And I don't think anyone's asking for the next Bobby Knight. Might have worked in the 70s and 80s for him. I don't think that's what anybody's looking for here now. But the fire within. From the 216, I definitely agree that a coach needs to be a bad A to succeed on the college level. A coach needs three things from his or her athletes. Respect, admiration, and a bit of fear. Without these things, one cannot get the most from the athletes. It is important to remember that these are college students with lives outside of their sport. The love of the game and hope of future pro success is not always enough to motivate at the college level. It is the coach's job to do so, and at different times, the coach can rely on those traits. Respect, admiration, fear to get it done. A shout out to my college and former Ohio State track coach, Russ Rogers. He was a definite bad A and had the utmost respect, admiration, and fear from me and his athletes. That's from the 216. I do think fear is in there. I do. I, and, and fear, obviously, in, in fear for your place on the team. That if you don't do the job, I will find someone who does. Not because I have something against you, but because I owe it to everybody else here. And I do think, I can think of circumstances in my life where I can feel like the best way to motivate, at times the only way to motivate, is fear. Because you can you can hope to play on someone's own personal ego. You can hope to play on their aspirations, but some people don't have an ego and some people don't have huge aspirations and they're kind of happy with how things are. And maybe they can succeed that way, but if they're not, how then do you pull more out of them? I think it has to be fear. So 
do you have the ability to have your players maybe see that side of you at times when necessary? That's part of it too. You can't be Mr. Nice Coach or Mrs. Nice Coach all the time. Okay, I, 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 this is a little bit of a hard thing to wrap, your, to wrap your arms around. I wanted to have this version of a conversation about it, and I would like you guys to have this conversation with your friends, with your fellow Ohio State fans. I think this is something that we can maybe come to a greater conclusion on this. Maybe we'll, we'll dip back into this in the future. If you certainly want to send more texts, I tried to read as many as I could about this topic, but I think we covered what needed to be covered. I'm going to get a little more specific on basketball. I'm going to talk a little tiny bit more about the NFL Combine, and we're going to do all of that next on Buckeye Talk. All right, back at the NFL Combine. Recording this again Thursday morning. Sorry to get it to you late. So Jalen Carter, potentially the best player in this NFL draft, left the Combine on Wednesday to go back to Athens, Georgia, uh, to be served in an arrest warrant, and he was booked on Wednesday night, and he immediately uh, posted bond, and now he is back in Indianapolis as I record this on Thursday morning. So we don't know all the details of this. You guys have probably heard about it. Jalen Carter, defensive tackle, huge, huge dude, great football player. And what is being alleged now is we know about the tragic car accident after Georgia's national championship celebration. You think about what Ohio State did, right, in Ohio Stadium after the 2014 national title. You had that big party in the stadium. The fans turn out. Georgia, two-time national champ, had that on January 14th, and then that night, about 2.30 in the morning on January 15th then, two people from the Georgia football program were killed in a car crash. One, a recruiting staff member who was driving. She was a young woman who was driving, and a football player in the car was killed in the car accident. There was another recruiting staff member and another football player in that car, and now what police and reporting by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are alleging is that Jalen Carter the best player on that team was driving a car that was street racing with that vehicle before it crashed. And that the driver who was killed in the crash so tragically had a blood alcohol content uh, two to three times the legal limit and was going over 100 miles an hour. And that police alleged that these cars were weaving in and out of traffic, driving in the center lane and the turning lane, driving in the opposite lane, extremely dangerous behavior. And it's just unbelievable news around a horrific tragedy for two young people to lose their lives during in the aftermath of what is a celebration of why we love college sports. It brings people together. It's a great thing to celebrate, and it turns absolutely tragic. But now that we have this context, and it is charges at this point, it is not he has not been convicted of this. It is two misdemeanor charges for reckless driving and racing for Jalen Carter, and he has said that he will be exonerated again. He may speak on Thursday afternoon. Maybe we'll learn more about it. But I really am thinking of it from the Georgia football perspective because I can think, and again, you don't want to what about this too much, but you think of over the years, whether it's at Ohio State or other football programs, things that have gone wrong, missteps, misdeeds by people and players around programs that were big problems, that were big news, that caused you to question the program itself. And then you think about behavior that has led to the death of a player, that has led to the death of an innocent player, and now we are saying it is behavior by someone employed by the football team who tragically lost her life and the best player on the football team that killed a football player. And what that means and what we have to ask and what Georgia has to answer to about what is happening in that program, the disregard for human life, the reckless behavior. We don't know Jalen Carter's involvement. We know 
This was a disregard for human life and reckless behavior because two people lost their lives in a car driven by a drunk person who was driving 100 miles per hour in a residential area. So like this is unbelievable. And Georgia has to answer for this. And all the things, all the things that I have reported on and written about and all the things that you as fans have absorbed in your time that didn't involve a player losing his life. This is the best team in college football. A player died because after a championship celebration, people behaved irresponsibly in a car, in a car that was rented by the university for university business. Is this, what does this say about Georgia football? What does this say about the state of, say about the state of the program, say about expectations? Listen. They are young people in college sports, high-profile, successful young people now with some money. Thanks to NIL, all of that is fine and good. We all know we make mistakes. We are not here to pretend that college athletes at Ohio State and Michigan and Alabama and Texas and everywhere else aren't young people who might do things that are, are at times risky, that might be irresponsible. We learn, hopefully, from our mistakes. We hope our mistakes are not catastrophic. But Georgia has to answer for this. And so this idea, it is sometimes when they break an NCAA rule, it's like, oh, you know, hey, there's an NCAA rule. They got 50 bucks they weren't supposed to get. We're going to like come down on them. Oh, how could you do this? And then how does something this tragic fit into that? Maybe it's not as, as much of, a, of an easy box to check, but it's more. It's worse. It's real. So we have to ask what's going on at Georgia. And Kirby Smart put out a statement that said the charges against Jalen Carter were concerning. The revelations were concerning. Also, the cops initially in Athens, Georgia, the cops initially said this is a single car accident. Now the reporting brings out. Now, once the, the AJC, the Atlanta Journal of Constitution, does the reporting, then the cops come out and say, yeah, here's our report. But at six weeks later, why didn't this happen sooner? Why, were, why wasn't there more awareness more quickly that this is a st potential street racing scenario? It's not just one car, right? That this is active. This is not a terrible just circumstance that created this. This was people's actions that led to this horrible outcome. So we're not, you, you just, you, you need to believe that these universities and athletic programs and football teams have some responsibility to their players and players have responsibility to each other and to their university and everybody is responsible for their own actions it's a it's an employee who drove a car that killed a football player so this needs to be a forefront of a college football discussion right now we need to know what's going on at georgia right now and um it's just incredibly upsetting, and you don't know what's going to happen with Jalen Carter, but certainly this factors into, you know, somebody that you're going to put your faith and trust in as, a, as an NFL team. Is this someone you can have faith and trust in? You have to at least investigate it, right? So, again, it's charges. He said he will be exonerated. But, man, it is, uh, wow, it is just, it is so terribly sad. It was already terribly sad, but that this is the circumstances around it was really, uh, really shocking. So great job, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, for digging that stuff out so we can get the real story here. Uh, College Football Survivor Show this week, Shahan J. Haraja and I, we did a draft. We each drafted two 11—we're doing a lot of drafts, right, offseason. Two 11-man def defenses from the college football playoff era. So it's from the 36 teams that have made the college football playoff, four teams each of the nine years. Those players were eligible. It wasn't based necessarily on how they played in the playoff, but those were the players eligible. You try to draft the best 11-man defenses that you can. We did it with offenses two weeks ago. 
So you can go listen to that. It's out right now. Wherever you listen to Buckeye Talk, you can find the College Football Survivor Show. Figure out where Ohio State guys went there. I'll give you a clue. Chase Young got drafted. Where? How high? Did he get drafted among the best defensive players for playoff teams in the playoff era? And then we talk at the end, the two drafts combined, offense and defense, which programs had the most players drafted? Where does Ohio State fit in there? I think it's a, an interesting contextual look. It's a way to talk about playoff teams and great players in a bit of a different way. So I would direct you. I know you guys liked it when we did the Ohio State drafts. And so my idea here was we did an Ohio State version of the Ryan Day era. Shahan and I did a playoff era thing for all the playoff teams. Go listen to that. I think you'll enjoy it. Last break, we'll come back and talk a little hoops on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk. So the Ohio State basketball team, I go, I say they're lost, and then they win their next two games. Good for them. Good for them. And good for those young players who are trying to navigate this. This still is Ohio State basketball's worst Big Ten season in 25 years. It is still their worst overall season in 25 years. This team is now 5-14 and 14 in the Big Ten. This team is now 13-17 and 17 overall. They finish this weekend at Michigan State. They're going to be the 13th seed out of 14 teams in the Big Ten basketball tournament. And the thing that I wonder about is, like, are you sure that it's leading to something? Because we don't know if Bryce Sensabaugh is going to be back if he is, he should be a very good college player. I think Bruce Thornton as a point guard looks like a good future college player. They're bringing in freshmen next year, two or three of whom should contribute right away. But we saw how it took the freshmen a little while to sort of ease into this this year. So then next year, you'll have sophomores like Thornton, like Sensabaugh, like Roddy Gale, like Felix Arpara, who can help steady the ship while the freshmen get going. But you're still going to wind up leaning on a couple freshmen. I think at least... Two of the freshmen next year are going to be in the top seven in the rotation. And you're still short on the older guys, right? Zed Key will be back. Tanner Holden, what are you going to get from him? You don't really know. Eugene Brown, you don't really know. They still have a hole sort of at the top of this roster with older guys. There's not much there. And when you think about the portal, it just has not been great. So I think they probably have to add a portal guy. I don't think they're going to add three like they did this year with McNeil and likely and Holden. So how much more experience are you going to get at the top? I think you're going to wind up leaning on freshmen and sophomores next year. And like, you, you can't hear a young guy conversation. Like you can't, you can't be young every year. So this is good for them. And I do think, you know, they rallied the troops in the locker room and good for, I think Bruce Thornton's a baller. I think Bruce Thornton's a leader. I think he's got something there. And Bryce Sensabaugh is great on one end of the court right now and not great on the other. But, I also don't want this to completely change everybody. There's no reason to change your view entirely on the basketball program. Like this is a this is a disastrous college basketball season for Ohio State. That should never ever ever happen. They fell off a cliff. And Bryce Sensabaugh is one of the best freshman scorers in the country, but I like I don't like are we sure? I think we can put a lot of eggs in the baskets about the future and you know, I I don't know that I look at this and think, oh, well, this is definitely, well, it was worth it because you're definitely going to get a sweet 16 out of it next season. So good for them, truly good for them. Good to, you know, two good home wins in, in front of the home crowd. They could have packed it in and they didn't. And they deserve credit for that. But also, I mean, you just are watching this mushy middle of the Big Ten, which basically is 
2 through 11. And that Ohio State is not part of that is remains flabbergasting to me. And part of it is like I don't want to extra criticize them because now they're winning. But you see what the the way they played against Illinois and Maryland in the last two games, and it's like, okay, how did you not win for a month? How did this team not win for a month? When you actually had this in you the whole time? So if they had fallen off a cliff, it would have been worse. So I don't want to add to the – I don't want their winning to – lead to extra criticism, but it also doesn't mean that everything's fine because once the pressure was off and the season was was lost, you won two home games. So my questions remain. I don't know what the future is. Um, I think it's good this basketball season is going to be over. The women's hockey team has a lot in front of it. The wrestling team has a lot in front of it. The women's basketball team has a lot in front of it. The men's tennis team has a lot in front of it. So there are great programs, other programs too, that we didn't talk to their coaches. Swimming and diving, gymnastics, just across the board. There are a lot of great programs that if you are, if you normally are diving into the NCAA tournament and Ohio State basketball, ah, I don't really care about basketball that much until March. And they're not even going to be in the NIT. They're not going to be playing. So they're coming up on their last games of the season. Maybe take that energy. And if you love Ohio State, and maybe you just love Ohio State football, maybe you just love Ohio State basketball. But if you like our Buckeye through and through, I would encourage you to go look for a team to support in March because it's not men's basketball because they're not going to be playing. I guess you can support them in their, you know, getting their heads right in the offseason, whatever. But Maybe tune in to women's basketball. Maybe tune in to the women's hockey team chasing a second consecutive national title. Maybe tune in to what should be a, a an earth-shaking rest, Big Ten wrestling tournament this weekend with Penn State and Iowa and Nebraska and Ohio State, four of the top six teams in the country, all wrestling against each other in the same conference. It's great. So there's some really good programs out there uh, at Ohio State that might be good outlets for you guys to support. So we'll get back to the Combine. We appreciate you guys making Buckeye Talk part of your week. Try the text at 614-350-3315. Read cleveland.com slash OSU. I have a Jalen Carter story up. I have a Zach Harrison story up. Nathan's going to have stories about Cam Brown and Ronnie Hickman. That'll be up shortly. And then we'll have a bunch of stuff on CJ and Jackson on Friday after they talk Friday morning. But for now, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.